0: Okay. What's up, guys? to Juice Podcast. My name is Saul Monali at Saul Monali NBA on Twitter. Here, joined again by Ben Dubose of USA Sports. You may have seen him last week. This is actually next week's podcast. We're going to be doing a a half and half. So we're going to get the rocket side of things with Ben, and we're going to get the Thunder side of things with another guest to be named later. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we're going to be talking about. We're here to talk about the extensive history between the Rockets and the Thunder, and I'm writing about this right now for rangehoops.com. Go subscribe if you haven't already. I think this is the NBA's greatest rivalry that nobody talks about. Mm-hmm. Like there is no love, love loss between these two teams. There's no love loss between these two fan bases. Uh, let me ask you this: How do you, a Rockets fan through and through, feel about the Thunder and their fan base?
1: Oh boy, uh, no problems with the Thunder as an organization the fan base has been harsh on me in particular in the past and some of that is social media and not when you don't know someone people don't want to get into the nuance they just see you know certain things out of context and they don't know the person so it gets blown up and At the same time, though, I respect it because they're that passionate. And I think some of it's because they're the only game in town. Whereas here in Houston, you know, Rockets fans and, you know, to an extent me as well, you know, we can get distracted. If the Rockets aren't playing well, we'll focus more on the Astros, who obviously are great. Uh, The Texans up until the last couple of years had a lot of success, not at a Super Bowl level, but a winning team for much of the past decade. Yeah, Cougars. There you go. That's your team. And, you know, with Oklahoma City, uh, other than, you know, I guess OU and Oklahoma State, at least at a professional level, they are the only game in town. And so those fans are a lot more dialed in. And so if you say something that bothers them on Twitter, they will definitely let you know. Um, but this
0: runs deep. This history yeah. runs deep. That's why these fan bases hate each other. Yeah.
1: Guts. But the organization I respect because it's really tough as a small market team in the NBA to make it work in an NBA that's increasingly about, you know, sexy destination markets and the coast. And for Sam Presti to do what he's done to keep a, Playoff and really a contending team together for so long, even though they never did um, win the title. That's impressive. And now they've got this massive war chest of picks to to kick off the rebuild. They're in a good place, and generally they've been a likable team. What's funny, uh, you know, Thunder fans all hate me because of Twitter, but if you look back um, on like my Facebook, there are photos of me in like 2011 wearing like a OKC Kevin Durant jersey. Because I loved KD and I love the small market team. I don't have anything personal against them. Some of the fans are a little harsh. But no, the organization, um, it, you know, it's good for the NBA, the passion in the arena. And that's what goes into it too. You know, sometimes Toyota Center can be a little bit lethargic and that comes with just, you know, a bigger city is going to be more corporate. Whereas uh, OKC has a lot more of the true diehards that are there. And yeah, it, it's a fun place um, to watch even when it's not your team. Um to watch, say, your team play on the road. It's just a very fun environment. And what I would say, when I think Rockets Thunder, it all comes back to one name, Pat Beverly. That's what sets I think, so much... I think it goes
0: even farther. Oh, okay. Okay, so I've talked to a lot of Rockets fans on this, and like the prevailing sentiment seems to be, yeah, these guys are super annoying in terms of the Thunder <laughs> and, their fan, and their fan base. And I said this goes further. Let's start with 2012. The James Harden trade. Okay, yeah. Like Daryl established himself as one of the best league's best general managers. Uh, Sam Presti has egg on his face because of his trade. Dar- James Harden becomes a superstar, a perennial MVP candidate. And Thunder fans have to hear about it for the
1: next 10 oh, years. Like, yeah, ima- that made Imagine
0: them- the, the, the mental capacity of a Thunder fan having to hear that yeah. for decades.
1: But then the window was still open, even after losing Harden, because Kevin Martin, while not James Harden, was still a quality player. And oh, by the way, you still had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Well, that 2013 first round series when the Rockets and Thunder, which of course is when uh, Pat Beverly crashed into Russell Westbrook's knee, ended up leading to his meniscus injury that he's had off and on problems with really ever since. When you're a small market like that and you think the window is open for a title, And something like that takes away your shot. And you know your window is not going to be open forever. It's hard. It's such a gut punch. Because you don't know when or if you're going to be back. And they hated Pat Beverly. And I think this is a classic situation. You can understand both sides of it. You know, Pat Beverly plays hard. And so I understand he was going for the ball. And the timeout had not been officially whistled. So he was just, you know, basically what they teach you at a low level, playing until the whistle. At the same time... I can also understand the OKC side of the fence when they see it as something a little bit extra because we know what typically happens in the NBA. These teams sort of walk into the timeouts, all that stuff. And they built up resentment against Pat specifically. It came to a head again in the 2017 playoffs when the Rockets played the Thunder in the first round. Rockets lost to the Thunder in 2013. They beat him in 2017, both first round series. But in 2017, Pat Beverly had the incident in the fans with – uh, somebody that was related to uh, one of the Thunder ownership group, I believe. I'm forgetting. Yeah. The it was a minority language. owner. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. there you go. The minority owner. And uh, and that became a thing. But the point was the Thunder fans always held on to that bitterness. And so did Russ, for that matter. That fed into it uh, with Pat Beverly all those years. And Houston fans loved him because Pat Beverly is the type of guy you're going to hate him when he's on another team. But when he's on your team, you will love the guy and the passion he plays with. And then it sort of spilled over into how the fan bases view one another. In many ways, it was a lesser version of how people have perceived the Astros since the sign-stealing scandal, in which what I mean by that, the sign-stealing scandal did not directly involve Astros fans, but a lot of people got um, morally indignant that the fans weren't more harsh on the players in the aftermath. How are you still supporting these guys? How are you you know, still going to these games and cheering for them and supporting them on social media. I would do this if I was in their situation or if I was in your situation, which of course is nonsense because that's fandom, you know. Well, on a lesser scale, it was the same type of thing. I saw it play out on social media. Thunder fans could not believe that Houston fans were supporting Beverly at the games, but especially online, his actions. And so it fed into just this sort of moral dynamic, which is taken on increasing prevalence as social media has grown. We see this all the time. You know, I call it fake morality, but you know, it is what it is. And I think the Astro Science Stealing scandal is at the, you know, the peak of that pyramid. But we I think we saw some of that sort of feeding into the fan dynamic between the Rockets and the Thunder, because a lot of Thunder fans, at least that I follow on social media, did not appreciate how the Rockets fans always came to Beverly's back over the five years that he uh, played in Houston, and two of those, of course, ended up with playoff series against the Thunder in the first round. And I think beyond just the understandable sort of back and forth between Russ and Pat on the court and the friction that comes with the teams in that regard, I think it also led into the fan base not really liking one another because Thunder fans couldn't stand that, uh, that Houston fans were backing Bev. And conversely, Houston fans couldn't understand why they were being so holier than thou about it.
0: Yeah, and like we need to contextualize that 2013 series because obviously the Harden trade happens and fate aligns and they play each other in round one (laughs) of that first playoff series. And that Thunder team was great. If you look back at it, they won 60-something games, best record in basketball, best net rating in basketball. It was basically Heat-Thunder all year. Everybody was expecting KD and LeBron part two for that season. And we didn't get it. We were robbed of it, partly because, you know, Beverly made that play. And I think that's a play that actually happens a lot in NBA in the NBA um today. I mean, like you just see it when the whistle comes off, like you see the block shot the mm-hmm. after the rim, uh going for the ball after the timeout. Like it happens a lot, that kind of that kind of play, that kind of I wanna get in your head after the whistle is blown interaction yep. and they hated each other westbrook and beverly despised each other even yeah. to the point where what westbrook isn't got got to houston and was still talking trash about beverly oh, you know, like <laughs> it was
1: the reverse yeah the, yeah the yeah the funny thing i remember it was that clippers game the first one and yeah it was bev on the clippers pat brev
0: trick y'all man yeah yeah that was crazy i was in locker room but i think you were too like it was yep. it, it was it was an insane moment because it was like what are The we, whole thing we, came full circle. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like what are I feel like we're in a different dimension. Like this is like a simulation for sure. <laughs> um and yeah, and then that's 2013, 3 years past competitive playoff uh, playoff games and regular season games between the two players. And then 2016-17, the Harden-Westbrook MVP race. Mm. This is where oh, it really yeah. comes full circle. Like these guys went at each other from the the moment Kevin Durant left Westbrook was thrown as the MVP favorite right mm-hmm. and then everybody talked about how Harden had so much help surrounding him that offseason it was like Eric Gordon which was Ryan, over the top yeah it was like they're making Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson out to be Carl Malone and John Stockton it was rigid. which is kind
1: of funny the way given the way people crap on Eric Gordon these days you know yeah yeah and that's like, not being valuable in trades yeah
0: yeah and uh, and like the MVP battle was obviously super heated. Back and forth throughout triple doubles, this, uh, you know, efficiency that it was ridiculous. Win like the Rockets were, well, obviously, had the better win total. It was a back and forth debate, uh, not only between Rockets fans, between media members, there was ardent supporters for both. And obviously, it's ultimately ended in and you know, Westbrook winning the, M- the MVP. But Rockets fans never let go of that bitterness in the no. same
1: way that in the same way, yeah,
0: that OKC fans never let go of that, that Beverly bitterness. Rockets fans always felt like Westbrook robbed um, robbed Harden of an MVP. Which he did. I'm biased, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and whatever the case, it it, it goes into the 2017 offseason where they're basically having competing offseasons. The Rockets go and trade for Chris Paul to kick off the summer, July 30th, no, June 30th, before the first day of free. And everybody
1: thinks that Carmelo is going to follow.
0: Right, everybody thinks that either Paul George or Carmelo. But they were both in play at one point. And then both Paul George and Carmelo Anthony uh, snub Houston, not yep. by their own accord. Obviously, this was a trade. They get traded to Oklahoma City, play alongside Westbrook, and then those two, those two teams are at it. Yeah, for the off season, like people talk about who's the better team—is it the Rockets or is it the Thunder? I remember this being a legitimate television conversation yep. for like two months going into the season, and it was like that season. I, I did they end up playing? They didn't end up playing each other, but I remember. We kept on talking about these two teams as if they were the same, when in fact the Rockets were like way better than the Dunder at that time. Yeah, and I'm sure it irked some thoughts and then, fans.
1: and then not in the playoffs, but one of the things that led to the 2019 playoffs, which, as we said in our Tillman Fertitta episode, led to the unraveling of that generation's Rockets and subsequently the rebuild, was the regular season finale in Oklahoma City. When James Harden missed a free throw that would have put the Rockets up three in the last ten seconds of the game, and then Paul George hit a three uh, in transition, Russ fed him. Remember that shot? Yeah. And OKC won basically at the buzzer. There's like a second left, but it was the ball game, and that sent Houston from the two seed to the four seed. Which you'll never know exactly, you know, how things play out when you start changing variables like that. But ultimately. If Kevin Durant goes out in the same point of the playoffs, the second round, then by being the two seed, you're not playing Golden State until the Western Conference Finals and you get an entire series against the Warriors without Kevin Durant as opposed to one game. Of course, the Rockets did not win that one game, and that's a fair pushback. But um, you know, losing the two seed on a Paul George buzzer beater when the Rockets led that game, pretty much for the majority, that was another bitter pill to swallow. It feels like the Rockets have had definitely some gut punch losses in OKC.
0: Right. And then so that was 2017,
1: 2018. 2019. Well, that was 2019. but no,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, no, that was 2017 because 2019, the Westbrook-Paul trade happens.
1: Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. For the summer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Summer I, after. And yep.
0: it, I lo- this is such a poetic trade because it caps off Daryl Morey and, and Sam <laughs> Presti, like, <laughs> Presti's revenge for the hardened trade. Like, that. it was such, like, a like for an NBA fan, like, it's such it's such poetic justice for Sam Presti, right? Because it, it, for 10 years, it's like, Daryl got one over on Presti. Yeah. And then this happens, and then Presti, Presti gets one over on, on Daryl, yep. right? And uh, it was just, a, I feel like this is, like, the capstone for, you know, the ending. Because Rockets fans had to come to terms with the fact that they now had to root for the guy that they despise. Rockets fans... Hated Russell Westbrook. I still think they do. Even though he <laughs> yeah. was a Rocket. And uh, they loved Chris Paul. And it was it was just a perfect ending for, I would say, that chapter of the rivalry. Yeah. We'll get to part two in a second. But, I mean, what were your feelings on all that? Did yeah, the trade
1: it, it, it was intense. They were linked on multiple levels. Like, you know, I mentioned the Beverly factor because that was on court. But you're right in that they were transaction rivals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the deals that they made with each other involving – Harden, Ross, CP3, but also in regards to who they were pursuing, especially Carmelo Anthony, briefly Paul George. Um, these teams did battle so many times, and while Houston's a bigger market, I do think it's it's worth noting Houston is not the Lakers, they're not the Warriors, they're not one of these coastal cities. So while Houston is bigger than OKC, at the same time, you are oftentimes choosing from the same sort of pool of players. Because, like for example, I don't think LeBron James would ever go. So the Rockets or the Thunder, that's just the reality. Let's be honest about that. And so I think sometimes Houston was choosing from the same pool as OKC. And so that made the battles even more intense. And then social media, it is what it is. And you play each other in the playoffs enough times, you have as many links. And I guess that's that's what we forget. Like you have all these playoff meetings and then the bubble series – in 2020, I
0: forgot about the bubble
1: series. Like, y- yeah, the, the trade I mean,
0: happens, that, and then they play each other in the bubble. It's like perfect. Just they start off with the trade, and then they meet in the playoffs. They end with the trade, and then they meet with the playoffs. They miss plays again. And yeah. oh
1: my God, if the Rockets had lost that series as humiliating as the 2020 offseason was, with regards to everybody leaving and the whole thing blowing up, imagine how brutal it would have been to have that happen after losing to Chris Paul. And of course, th- that was just a highly annoying series because if you remember, the Rockets won the first two games. They should have gone up 3-0 and basically hammer hammerlock on the series. They blew that game three. There were a couple of bad calls, but also Eric Gordon did some ridiculous stuff, like not even being able to inbound or dribble in the final minute of that game. And pretty much all three of the games, the Thunder won. The Thunder won game three, game four, game six. They all happened the same way. The Rockets, the, the games the Rockets won, they dominated. And then they led the games they lost, too. And the Thunder, just with Chris Paul, had that late game magic to where, you know, they just somehow, when it mattered, made more plays and... Thankfully, in Game 7, Harden had the block on Dort that didn't happen. But the fact that that series was even close in a year that if ever you can feel like you won a series as the losing team, that might be it. Because the Thunder really took on Chris Paul for the assets, for the first-round picks from the Rockets that are still – a lot of them still to convey.
0: Yeah, that's, that that comes to play in Chapter 2. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, anything they got from that team, they wildly overachieved You know, Chris Paul – SGA, Dennis Schroeder, the three-headed backcourt was wildly overachieving to then almost knock out the Rockets. And maybe they do if James Harden doesn't block that Lou Dort shot. I know it's brutal to lose in the playoffs of Game 7, but that had to be as good of a Game 7 loss as you could possibly uh, feel when you consider where the teams were at, uh, you know, as franchises. And, of course, I'm sure it had to be even more annoying to the Rockets that after all these moves and they were supposed to be contenders with these two, you know, recent MVPs in Harden and Westbrook. And yet they were... Barely having to just survive against the Thunder to get out in a game seven.
0: And this is this is hilarious. I just thought of this right now. You could say you could arguably say this about both teams. They arguably had the best teams of the 2010s to not win championships. Both of them. Mm. Right. They had they were fantastic from 2012 to 2020. Both teams were awesome. Uh, they, 2012
1: Thunder and 2018 Rockets.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It, just on different ends of the spectrum, obviously. Yeah. And then they had the... Both of them arguably had the two biggest what-ifs of the decade. Mm. One in the Westbrook injury and two in the Chris Paul injury, and it's funny, they they get traded for each other to end the, to end the <laughs> decade. Uh, they arguably had two of the best general managers of the decade, and Sam Presti yeah. and Daryl Morey, both had to scratch and claw in not a glamor market, right? Mm. Houston is a, a market that you can attract for agents in, but again, you need the star player in house in order to attract the second one. Yeah. That's how Houston works. And OKC, okay, it's even harder. You have to build from the ground up, but the point is, these are these were two of the best general managers of the decade. They had two of the best what ifs of the decade, and those what ifs were traded for each other. And they had arguably yep. the two best teams to not win a championship of the decade. I, I just think it's it's really poetic uh, the, from two, the 2010s. Like, sorry, <laughs> the 2010s how they were tied together. Yeah. Um, so let's get to the 2020s. So this starts off obviously. I think I would say chapter two really starts off with the Westbrook Paul trade because. Mm these picks extend into the 2020s. Yeah. And these, you know, there are implications for that trade that still have not yet to be answered. And mm. we'll see how they get answered. But Rockets fans are basically rooting for their teams to be good when those picks convey. And Thunder fans are rooting for the Rockets to yes. be bad when those picks convey. Then you get 2021 with the Alperin-Shangun trade.
1: Ooh, yeah, that's which a is good one.
0: like the Rockets trade, uh, the protected Detroit pick, and the protected Washington pick for Alper and Shangun, and they and the Thunder basically bet these assets that we're acquiring are, are ultimately going to be better than Alper yep. and Shangun. And Shangun has a monster first season, and I'm sure that irks Thunder fans as yep. well. And then the 2020 in 2022, the next draft, the Thunder take those picks that they yep. acquired for Alper and Shangun, and they double down. They add another pick onto it, and they trade that for Usman Jang. So basically, they yep. bet. That Usman Jang is gonna be better than Elper and Shangun. These two two these two players, I'm not sure if if people realize this, fans have made the connection. They're gonna be tied at the hip for the rest of the 2020s. Yeah. For the rest of their careers. Whoever ends up being the best player, yeah. that franchise is gonna have their comeuppance, Right? And yeah, like it's it, that's just, it's just so and now they're competing as rebuilding teams. Uh, and
1: on, and they're gonna be competing as uh free agents. Well, and, they, and trade uh targets because Both of the Rockets and Thunder are set up very well with with regards to future draft capital. Now, the Thunder have more. They have more than anybody. But the point is with these top-of-the-line guys, it's all about where do they want to go. The point is that both Houston and Oklahoma City have enough future draft capital to get the next disgruntled star if they're willing to go there. So behind the scenes, the leverage game? hell yeah, you're going to be seeing the conversations had. Here's why Houston is a better place than OKC and vice versa, trying to sort of position your team so that when that guy is ready to ask out, that he has a destination that's ready to pounce and act. And both the Rockets and Thunder are set up well enough with all this future draft capital and young talent that they can satisfy other teams from a talent perspective. It's strictly about having the disgruntled star that's waiting and ready to go to that destination. And both Houston and Oklahoma City are, again, are, they're on the same timetable, and they're going to be competing for a lot of the same types of guys.
0: They're going to have max space at the same time Yep. a lot of times. They're going to be, as you said, they have, they both have awesome, uh, like great draft assets to go and trade for people. And like it's one of those things where, like, I can't believe we're doing this again in the 2020s. Like <laughs> we, we just did this in the 2010s, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. I'm not sure how you as a fan feel about it. Yeah. Like, like no, the fact that, that Jabari and Chet are, are rivals at the top of the draft, I love that. The fact that like y- you can do the same thing with last year's draft with Jalen Green and um mm-hmm.
1: uh, sorry forgetting the name.
0: Josh Giddy. Yeah. Like the like like the, that's gonna happen again next year. It irked
1: uh Thunder fans that, you know, Getty won rookie of the month all those times and yet Jalen ended up on the first team all rookie and Getty didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, There's it, another it's, one.
0: It's they're they're just I can't believe this keeps on happening. The world like and you can even tie the connection back even further if you want to go to the 90s and the supersonics. I chose not to do that today. <laughs> but that's how deep these organizations, like the rivalry, that's how deep it runs. I just think it's fascinating. I can't believe we're doing this again. Yeah. But I can't wait to see how this ends.
1: Yeah, they're linked forever. Yeah. yeah. Or not, not forever, but forever in a modern sense. Right.
0: Yeah. And Shang-Goon and Zhang. I, I, that's going to be a battle that I, I, I'm going to be very interested to see who wins like yep. who ends up being the better player anyways that was part one we're going to transition over to part two i hope you enjoyed this conversation ben you were great uh and yeah we're going to see how thunder fans feel about this and at <laughs> uh, the end of the things i think i think we're going to get a pretty different perspective here yeah <laughs> and we are back joined by andrew schlecht he covers the oklahoma city thunder for the athletic also hosts the saturday saturday and jam excuse me and the down to dunk podcast Andrew, how you doing?
2: I am doing awesome. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. So I'm one of those people that's like, I despise tardiness. Like I, I hate it. Like I, it's like if you're not gonna show up, like with at least within five to ten minutes of the window I ask you to show up, it's like why bother? Like you don't respect my time. Why should I respect yours? Right? That that's yeah. me. I'm that guy. Right? Like, and I promise you, I'm like I'm like, otherwise. I'm a cool dude laid back. I can, I can, I can roll with the punches, but tardiness, is just, I, just, I could never get over that. And ironically enough, I'm that guy, and today, <laughs> I am 25 minutes late to my own podcast because you know what? I'd, I'd like to blame myself, and ultimately, it is on myself, but I'm going to blame Apple today. I'm going to blame there Apple. There you go. Okay. So <laughs> you know those dongles that you have to carry around with your MacBook because yeah. you, you don't yeah, have yeah. the... I forgot mine's at home. So yeah. I was ready oh, to record. No. I had had my microphone, had my webcam, had my computer, yeah. all that crap, and <laughs> I, I'm I'm ready to plug in. I'm about to send you the link, and I find out I don't have the dongle. So oh, what I, what do no. I have to do? I have to drive to the nearest Office Depot, find no. the dongle that I'm gonna oh, return. Oh no! I, I have the receipt right here. I'm gonna return this. Like I yeah. I, I don't plan on keeping this, but this is just like. The worst possible situation possible. So I do apologize. Uh, um, it's good. just one of those days for me, you know.
2: <laughs> we all have those days. I had a dongle go go bad, and I had to, yeah, I had to run and go get one.
0: And they're expensive. You, they're expensive. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're like they're like fifty dollars. I, I just this one one I just paid for was like fifty bucks. It's like yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely getting that fifty dollars back after I finish <laughs> recording this. Like. That is ridiculous.
2: <laughs> it is. It's insane. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'm gonna blame Apple. We're, we're gonna call this. Uh, we're gonna call this on Apple. Okay. Um. So enough of that. We are here to talk about Rockets Thunder and more specifically the rebuilds that the both both of the franchises are are doing right now and mm-hmm. the extensive history between the two. Because mm-hmm. I'm writing about this right now for RedNationHoops.com. Go subscribe if you haven't already. Um, I said this in part one. But I think this is the NBA's greatest rivalry that nobody talks about. It's seemingly yeah. never discussed. Like, there's mm-hmm. no love lost between these two franchises. Oh, uh, yeah. The fan bases hate each other. I think the organizations themselves respect one another, but there's a healthy degree of adversity there. And yeah, I, sure. am I describing that right, Andrew? From your perspective, oh, is that with, line
2: up? Without a doubt, yes. I think that Thunder fans celebrate uh rockets failures and i think the uh the reverse is also true uh and then like the front offices are really interesting right now because their approaches are different in the mm-hmm. way that they're handling the rebuilds and so it's just it's massive and then you have like the whole like westbrook chris paul trade i mean like there's just so many layers to it that yeah mm-hmm. and hopefully they'll both be good around the same time too and they'll be competing and playing different styles and you know I actually hope that that like, continues to build because it makes the NBA really fun.
0: Yeah, and I hope someone else acknowledges it besides like of Rockets and Thunder people, right? Like, well, by the way, are, right. you a, are you are you a Thunder fan?
2: Yeah, I would say I'm a Thunder fan. I started as a Thunder fan, and I'm now like covering the team, so like my my fandom is different now because I'm like mm-hmm. get access to the team, get to talk to players and coaches and people within the front office, and so it's just it it's different, but. I would still say yes. I've tried to like hold on to as much of of my fandom as possible.
0: Right, I failed in that area. I'm trying to get back. I'm trying to get back. Yeah. So, uh, so I think it helps that I'm no longer on site anymore. Right, I, I'm mm-hmm. no longer in and around the team as much as I was. Uh, I still go to the occasional Zoom presser, but I'm just I just can't. It, it doesn't line up with my schedule as much anymore. So I think that helps, and I may hopefully I can get back into it. But being around it, you're right, it takes something out of you. Like, it's different being in the arena after a loss, right? It's just different. Yep. And you have to mm-hmm. ask these guys questions, and they're pissed off. It's, it's, mm-hmm. It sucks. But I'm trying to get back there. But I do understand the rivalry deeply because, again, up until 2018, I was a fan. And uh, like I, it, this rivalry extends back. Actually, I want to ask you this. How far mm-hmm. do you think it extends? What's the first point for you?
2: I would say... I mean, it starts with the Harden trade, right? Yes, yes, it does. Absolutely. that's That's when it all begins, where the Thunder made a huge mistake and traded James Harden to the Rockets. And then, I mean, I was at the game as a fan when James Harden played against the Thunder and the Thunder, you know, beat the Rockets mostly because the Thunder just had a better team then. And like, we were rooting like we were rooting really hard for that team i remember hashim Tabit like blocked james harden and we felt like he was like doing that for the city you know it's just like it was a weird it was a weird night but yeah i think that that's where it starts and then like it continued to build like you have the pat bev element of it and well, I want to start I mean, with the Harden thing yeah. real quick, because yeah, this yeah, was yeah,
0: obviously sure. one of the most important trades in NBA history. A lot of jobs were actually created because of this trade. Uh, yeah. A lot of Rockets execs are now head of fr- front offices because of this trade. Um, after being like the, the scrutinized analytics guy, Daryl Morey kind of solidified himself as the general manager of the Rockets. Um, I thought he was on sh- some shaky ground before that point. Uh, the Rockets were lifted from irrelevance, uh, became a perennial playoff team, and most importantly, it pushed James Harden into superstardom. And one could also argue, uh, and many have over the years, that this trade interrupted a potential Oklahoma City Thunder dynasty. That The, th- the, the mm-hmm. Thunder had made the finals with Harden as a sixth man. Durant and Westbrook were both top 10 players. Harden became yep. one. On a scale of 1 to 10, like how tired are Thunder fans about hearing about this trade?
2: <laughs> They're very tired of it. Yeah. We we actually have been doing a series on my podcast Down to Dunk called Summers of Sam, where every Wednesday we're recapping and giving grades for all of Sam Presti's off seasons.
1: Mm. And
2: last week we we covered 2012, which includes the James Harden trade. And you know some some of our listeners are like, yeah, I was three at the time. Like I don't really remember it, so it was kind of cool to hear about it. Uh, other people are like i didn't even listen to the episode cuz i just i can't like i just can't <laughs> anymore um so yeah. i would say no one really wants to hear about it because it is sam press is like a, he's a great general manager he's done a great yeah, job absolutely but but that is his like number one like failure you know just and it's and you can't avoid it because mm-hmm. it's that team had so much talent and still, like, just randomly, like, Leisure Report would be like, you know, Westbrook, Durant, Harden, how did they not win a title? Random tweet, you know, and, like, Thunder fans are like, why, like, why are you twisting this knife that is still somehow lodged in my abdomen? You know, yeah. that's, that's how Thunder fans still feel about it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, like, way over it. And, like, we could, we did this podcast last week, and it was, I actually had a good time doing it, just going over, like, all the details of it, and all, like, the, reactions at the time and we still just get people like man please never do that again you know <laughs> That's how listeners feel
0: yeah and i can already tell just by talking to you you're like that beaten down reporter like not like the lows don't get to you as much as like the average rock average thunder fan
2: yeah right? yeah oh yeah. without a doubt i mean yeah. there. i mean after basically after westbrook was traded i was like well i've kind of i'm numb my sports <laughs> feelings are numb now you know
0: yeah it, it, de- it definitely, without a doubt, I think that's the star of the rivalry. Ironically enough, in part one, when I asked a Rockets fan this, uh, I, I don't want to say Rockets fan, he's a media member as well, Ben Dubose. Uh, he actually oh, yeah. said the Beverly-Westbrook kerfuffle was. And I think okay. that's probably the difference, right? I think Thunder fans are more quick to point to, it's the Harden trade, without a doubt, because they're tired of yeah. hearing about it. And Rockets yeah, yeah. fans are quick to point to the Beverly-Westbrook thing. So let's talk mm-hmm. about it. So... Uh, 2013, like the year of the trade, right? They meet up in the playoffs. Like the NBA's has this hilarious way of being ironic, like that. So oh, yeah, yeah, round one. Um, the the there's a timeout play, and West Beverly's guarding Westbrook. By the way, Beverly's this guy the Rockets signed from Germany, like on like a 10 day mm-hmm. contract at the point, right? He mm-hmm. hadn't established himself, so he goes he goes for a steal after a timeout, which players do. But it's, it's generally frowned upon, right? It's something you probably shouldn't do, but it's like the Kevin Garnett thing with like, blocking shots after the shot block. Like, everybody yeah. still does it, right? Um, and I thought this was, I mean, in the moment, I was actually at this game, um, this was crazy. I mean, like, just yeah. immediately you saw Westbrook limping, and it's like, oh, shit. Like, he definitely yeah. tore something up. I think you, you were watching the game, obviously, and you could tell mm-hmm. right away something happened and Mm -hmm. immediately thunder fans made patrick beverly public enemy number one
2: um yeah i i'd imagine
0: still that way right
2: oh yeah there's still hatred for patrick beverly yeah there's not i mean if if you were on the if somehow like sam Presti traded for him and to get like a second round pick or something people be like you got to wave him immediately you can't even let that guy like touch a thunder jersey you know that's how that's how people would feel I actually think that
0: might be something that would prevent him from doing a trade that involved Beverly, unless it was like yeah. literally the last possible salary, like just because the, <laughs> the public reaction would just be ridiculous. Uh, but yeah. let's, uh, we need to describe the context of that Thunder team, because I think yeah. one could argue that this was the greatest Thunder team of all time. Like they had a perennial MVP candidate in Durant that was good enough to be mm-hmm. the best player on a championship team. He finished second in MVP voting that year. At the time, Westbrook was well above the threshold of being good enough for being the second-best player on a championship team. He was second-team All-NBA, uh, ninth, second uh, ninth in MVP voting, actually. Uh, tenth was Dwayne Wade, to give you some context. Uh, they were great defensively. Sergi Baca was third in defensive player of the year voting, blocking shots left and right. I'm not sure how many of my listeners actually remember Sergi Like This was a thing. Oh. This was a phenomenon. Yeah, but it like media. three
2: blocks a game that season. I mean, yeah, it was, he was ridiculous. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it was a phenomenon on social media. Uh, they had depth forgotten in history and all this is that Kevin Martin actually did a good job of replacing James Harden's bench production. He was fourth yeah. and sixth man of the year voting. They were mm-hmm. awesome. 60 wins, mm-hmm. pretty much neck and neck with the heat that year for the best team in basketball. And yeah. at the very least, they would have put up a hell of a fight against the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals, if not beaten them and rematched against the heat. This was... Yes. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Thunder fans have a legitimate grievance here.
2: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, that was their, like, I think it was their best point differential that that they've had historically. They had the best point differential in the league that year, and they were rolling. I mean, they were rolling teams, and then Westbrook goes down, and Reggie Jackson at the time, you know, tried to take over and wasn't ready yet, and Kevin Martin was perfect in the role that they put him in, but Not when you ask them to do more and everything just kind of fell apart. So, yeah, I mean, you take an all NBA player off your team, you're not going to do so hot. And that's what happened to the Thunder. And yeah, I think that a lot of people will say, like, what's what's the year the Thunder had the best chance to win the title? It probably wasn't the year they went to the finals just because they were, man, they were still so young. Even that year that that we're talking about, I mean, Westbrook and Durant were twenty four. That year, in twenty
0: five, yeah, I mean, and they, but they were ready. Like you could tell, they were ready.
2: Oh, they were ready. They were after yeah. that. After that first run, right. they learned a lot. They were ready to go, and from there, you, you just like you had the bad luck of of Westbrook. Then you had like Durant had his foot issue, and then things finally got back on track in twenty sixteen, and then obviously Kevin leaves. But it it was it was like the beginning of like the the bad luck for the Thunder in the postseason,
0: Yeah. In the moment, how did you feel about that play? And has that evolved at all?
2: So that play in the moment, you kind of felt like, what is this guy doing? And then Westbrook goes on to play the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of just hope that, Oh, okay, maybe he's all right. And then I I forgot about that. Completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. The next day they did the MRI. And I remember Darnell Mayberry who covers the bulls now for us at the athletic, uh, was at the Oklahoma at the time, and he tweets that Westbrook, you know, is going to have surgery and he's going to miss the rest of the playoffs. We're like, like what? Like yeah. Westbrook went on to play that, finish that game, and they—I don't remember what the score was, but they beat the Rockets pretty handily in that game. And you're like, okay, you know, that sucked. Like, why is he being an idiot? But okay, like he's he's fine, he's fine. And now, like after that, it was like. That guy ruined it. Like that guy ruined our entire season. Yeah. Like, what are we even doing here? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Pat Bev is always he'll always be elevated as you know, if if there was like a Mount Rushmore of Thunder enemies, he would definitely make it.
0: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I, it it did not take me doing some research to find that out. Like I That yeah. was well I was well aware of that. Um and here's my stance actually on, on that play. I mm-hmm. actually don't have a strong opinion, but I do believe this. If you thought that play was dirty, you have to be consistent about it. Meaning, you have to call at your own guys when they do stuff like that after the shot clock. Sure. And if you were in the camp of this kind of stuff happens all the time, this was just an unfortunate fluke accident. Well, then you can't be upset when something like like that happens to one of your favorite players. That's mm-hmm. how I feel.
2: Yeah, well, I don't. I don't think that that's wrong. I yeah. think that yeah. Any if anybody's doing stuff after the whistle, you can. I think it's all pretty dirty, and it's like not the right thing to do. But whatever you know it's it's all in the past now i'm trying to (laughs) trying to let that water flow under the bridge and you know pat bev just keeps popping his head back up
0: well, here's a positive memory for Thunder fans. The 2016-17 MVP race between Harden and Westbrook. This might have been the peak of like internet rivalry between the two franchises. Like Rockets yeah. fans to this day still feel like Westbrook robbed Harden of an MVP. And I don't yeah. I, I don't blame them for feeling that way. I also, I also don't blame Thunder fans who get irritated every time someone implies that Westbrook wasn't deserving. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it, I mean it was that year was I think maybe Rockets fans maybe forget the context that 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 there was for Thunder fans is that this was the year after after Kevin Durant left. And so Westbrook kind of like embodied like the feelings of every Thunder fan that entire season where it's like, gosh, like we just want to we just want to go out there and just just like we want Westbrook to destroy the league. And he did. And. There's like, there's tons of context that gets missed because a lot of people are like, well, he just averaged a triple double, so they handed him the trophy. It's like, well, if you think that you didn't watch the Thunder because he hit some of the most amazing clutch shots that season that like grabbed the entire internet at the time. There's the one in Denver where he hits this just impossible shot to win the game. I think they were down like 15 or something like that in the fourth quarter, and it was like, okay. I'm not gonna win this game. And Westbrook scores like 16 straight points.
0: I turned that it's game a, off. I was watching that it's game. It's a game I it winner. off. I'm right. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you did.
2: Yeah. And it was just like, wh- that's when those moments were like, okay. Like he's the he's been the best player this year. You know. Yeah. And and I, you know, I wouldn't begrudge a Rockets fan for thinking that the MVP was stolen. It was a really close, close race. And Harden had it within like the last like 2 months or something like everybody thought James Harden was going to be the MVP. It and was that Westbrook, Denver
0: like, shot. Yeah,
2: I think so. It was the Denver shot that really and and he had several others where you're just like how is he doing this? You know, it was like an out of body experience. It was like his own like Lynn sanity, you know, for a few weeks where it was just like gosh. And and he was averaging a triple double and 30 points. I mean, it was an unbelievable year for him. Um, and I'm sure you're going to talk about it. It's just, it's funny that that guy ends up going to the Rockets, like <laughs> wearing yeah. a Rockets uniform for a year. We'll get uh, there. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, Bizarro Land is uh, just the start of this rivalry. I mean, it, like that season. So the, the Rockets obviously they go out go they go out and they sign Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson in NA. you know, like decent role players. Yep. Um uh, yep. No, nobody nobody crazy but you know some guys that will help space the floor and help kind of form a more cohesive offense around James Harden and yeah. Harden becomes this facilitating maestro with Mike D'Antoni first year as head coach um mm-hmm. you know he averages like 12 assists per game leads the league in assists um he's awesome like the I think the points created stat that season for Harden is like I think it's best in best of all time or either best or second best of all time in terms of points created for a season. Um, he, he was ridiculous and Westbrook as well. And it was one of those things where it's like, and it was Kawhi, Kawhi was awesome that season as well. And like, yep. it'd be interesting to see if Kawhi doesn't have that season, if we could just like replay the result mm-hmm. just to see what happened. Cause I think a lot sure. of the people that had, that had Kawhi was as a, as a first place finished, I think, a lot of them had Harden as their number two, right? So if if Kawhi wasn't that good, and if like Harden slides up, does he actually end up winning it? But it's that's hmm. obviously Harden. Harden didn't win it, and it was one of those things where Westbrook was ridiculously clutch. Like again, I turned that yeah. game off because I thought it was over. Like I was watching that game just out of fun, and I was like, okay, this is, this is a Thunder. I won in this game, and <laughs> like I walked away, and I, I go on social media, and like I see. That it's a close game, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go watch to go see what happens. And I missed the shot. I turned the TV off. I turned <laughs> the TV back on, and I missed it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of those things where, like, I, I yeah, I mean, we've all had that moment as sports fans. But it, it, it is, it was a gr- it was a great year. But the rivalry on social media was very heated. I would say I I don't think it's ever gotten that heated ever again between the two the, between the two fan bases. Like that was probably pink. yeah yeah
2: yeah those those were good
0: times (laughs) (laughs) yeah then there was the the competing off seasons between the two i'm not sure if you remember this or put this in the rivalry so the rockets go out and they get chris paul right and immediately rumors surge that they're going to go they're not done yet they're going to go get paul george they're going to go get carmel anthony they're going to do there's a second move shoot a drop right that second shoe doesn't drop because the Mm -hmm. thunder go out and they go get both of those guys. They go get both Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Mm -hmm. And, and immediately the conversation shifts to, um, who's the better team, right? Like that entire summer, it was like, is, is this trio better than this duo? Who's going to be better? All, all summer long, it was a debate. And I think it, it was one of those things where like, um, Going into the season, we kind of expected the Thunder to be better offensively than they had been. But for yeah. some, do you remember what was holding them back offensively? I, I don't remember. I remember the, the spacing in particular was was a concern, but I don't remember much else.
2: Yeah, I mean the the guys that they had there as shooters just didn't perform. You know, like yeah. Patrick Patterson was supposed to be like the starting power forward, and he was awful that year. Yeah, uh, and then like Alex Abrines was another one that was supposed to be kind of a floor spacer, and he didn't play well either. And so they were left kind of looking for somebody to play the two, and they really n- never figured it out. Uh, and you know they didn't have any spacing around PG. I mean they had Stephen Adams, and then they had Jeremy Grant, and Jeremy hadn't really started shooting threes yet um, mm-hmm. at a at a good clip. And so they were good defensively. And they were really athletic and very limited, and that was kind of the, also the start. I mean, really, the season before, you you kind of could see Westbrook's warts in the playoffs a lot more, and it kind of, it revealed itself actually in the series against the Rockets uh, in that first round series, right. where and this was before those trades happened, um, and they he he just couldn't he couldn't carry the load like he did all season you know like he did in the regular season it kind of all fell apart and then you started to see that more when they lost to the jazz in round one and then the next year when they lost to the blazers in round one it was just like oh okay like westbrook is like a a really good number two but not really your number one and paul george honestly kind of the same you know they were they were they thought they had like two number ones like oh this is great look at this look at this team and they're really kind of left with like two really great number twos um is is where they found themselves
0: right and i remember carmelo was not willing to accept a lesser role i remember like he he oh, was man intent God. on starting would not even <laughs> was not even willing to entertain the idea of coming off the bench yeah, yeah,
2: that was a great storyline. I was in the room whenever he was like joking about. I mean, it was the who me moment. Someone right. I can't. I was uh, AP. They uh, told me i
0: coming off the bench or something, right? You yes, said, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. It was Eric Horn asked him about it. Who is yeah. now works for? Gosh, I can't remember, but he he moved on. But yeah, he was covering the Thunder at the time and asked him about it. It was amazing. Melo is the the best though. Like this this the the very best dude.
0: I liked him a lot when he was in Houston. Like, I, he yeah. was very gracious to the media as well. Um, oh yeah. So that's 2017, and the, the, you know, as the Thunder kind of peter off at this point, right? You, what you mm-hmm. mentioned at the end, like it becomes obvious Westbrook's not the number one guy to carry you all the way there. And you know, they had other issues, but really that was the the main issue, right? Like he he just can't be the best guy. Maybe your second best guy is his best role, but. We get to 2019 and Chris Paul comes off a really bad year in which I thought he was hurt. I said all season, thought he was still hurt from that hamstring injury, thought he was due for a bounce back year. And I actually thought that Rockets team going into 2019 was like awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I thought I was like, okay, I, I think I, these 14 to 1 odds, like I, these look really juicy to me. If I'm a gambler, I'm taking those odds for, for them to win the yeah. championship. And yep. then they make this freaking trade for Russell Westbrook <laughs> where they not only do they trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, they trade Chris Paul in like two first round picks and two first round pick swaps deep into the future. So yep. and, and you know, there's some light protections on it, which do come into play. We'll get into that in a second. But like, yeah, 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 but like not really much there in terms of at the moment it was very clear that those picks were going to convey because the Rockets were going to be good. They they weren't, they weren't pivoting to a rebuild at that point yet. And so it was a disaster scenario and it, it it played out like a disaster scenario. They, that, you know, that team was not as good as it needed to be to win a championship. They broke it up. Uh, We know what happens there. You know, Chris Paul, uh, Thrives in Oklahoma City. The Rockets, Rockets fans have to go watch that. They play each other in round one. He's mm-hmm. amazing. So is Lou Dort defending James Harden. I mm-hmm. thought that was uh, probably the end of chapter two, uh, chapter one of that rivalry in terms of Rockets yeah. Thunder. Like, yep. because not only... They start the decade with Daryl Morey getting one over on Sam Presti, right? They yep. end the decade with, like, Sam Presti's revenge, right? Like, Sam Presti yeah. gets one over... On Daryl Morey, and (laughs) I thought that was on a on a storyline level poetic, beautiful. I loved it. Like you know, like as a writer, I love that shit. You know, yeah. And and I was like, okay, this is you could not have scripted a better ending for this rivalry. And you know, Daryl obviously moves on, and those picks end up being pretty pretty consequential.
2: Yeah, yeah, they do, and they're like shaping the way that the Rockets have to think about their rebuild.
0: You Mm -hmm. know,
2: because it's like, okay, we. We got to control our picks for as long as we can before, you know, these before it's out of our hands, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what's upcoming. I mean, I remember the Chris Paul for Westbrook trade. It was Thunder fans were pissed at the really? time. Really? Yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, I think a lot of Thunder fans hoped they would do a deal with the, with the Heat that they could get like some young players from the Heat and that they could like because Thunder fans still wanted to root for Russell Westbrook is like part of it. He said, okay, if he's, you know, Paul George is gone. We got this great trade. Like Thunder fans were happy about that. Now it's like, okay, let's move Westbrook to a team that we feel like we can root for. Miami's probably one. Like, and then when it was the Rockets, because I think Thunder fans had hoped, like we'll get back to like an expiring contract and maybe a young player and some draft picks. that will be great. Goes to the Rockets. And you're like, wait, wait, where, we're sending the best player or our like our favorite franchise player ever to to Houston. Like I'm not putting on a Rockets jersey. Like that's not happening. And we're getting back Chris Paul. We hate Chris Paul. Chris Paul's been like such a nuisance to us for so many years like with the Clippers teams and with the Rockets was like man, like I don't want that guy back in my city. And what's funny is that Chris Paul actually played in Oklahoma City. When the Hornets were displaced, you know, back whenever Hurricane Katrina happened, they had to move the Hornets up to Oklahoma City to play for two seasons. And that was Chris Paul's rookie year. So, like, Chris Paul had familiarity with the city and us with him. But still at the time, it was like, man, like, we had grown to kind of hate Chris Paul. Right. And that season ended up being, like, very magical for Thunder fans. Uh, They weren't supposed to be good. Like, they had just kind of thrown this team together, like – suddenly like Chris Paul and Danil Gallinari and Dennis Schroeder like, Oh, this is our team. Okay. This is weird. Uh, And they were actually pretty good and came within uh, a James Harden blocking Lou Dort in the corner of, you know, moving on to round two. It was, it was a pretty wild year. And then, yeah, the, it it felt a little bit though at the time there were Thunder fans that thought that Daryl had done it again. Like he had pulled one over on Presti and it's like got him to take old Chris Paul and he's not going to be able to trade him and this is going to be disastrous. And like what are we doing here? And you know, I'm not even sure Sam could have told you that like Chris was going to do what he did that no. year. Um So, but yeah, it was, yeah, you're right. It's like, it's great bookends to the rivalry. Cause I agree. It starts, starts with the Harden trade and then it ends with the Westbrook trade there right. at the end. Yeah.
0: And then part 2 I would say starts with the Alper and changuin trade. Yeah. Right? In 2021. It makes so, you
2: think like is Presti like trying to foster a you know rivalry with Houston? Like it kind of right. makes you feel that way.
0: Yeah. I mean it, it, that, that's that's what's interesting. Not only are these two teams like like rivals on the court, they you know Ben pointed this out in part 1. They're rivals off the court transactionally. Oh, yeah, yeah, like they're and almost I think almost more so. Yeah. Right, I think in, tw- in the 2020s, we're going to see that come into play times two because they're going to be competing for the same free agents, same uh, trade targets, everything mm-hmm. like oh, they're yeah. going to have max space at the same time, I believe. Um, and so the, the t- upper and shangun trade, let's, back, let's backtrack. So the Rockets are, you know, they have three picks this draft and mm-hmm. we assume when when they when they're making a trade with the Thunder, OK, they're going to trade 23 and 24 and move up. In yep. in fact they're actually trading the picks they had acquired in the Christian Wood uh fiasco. So they 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 mm-hmm. they, they get a Washington protected pick and a Detroit mm-hmm. protected pick deep into the yep. future. They send those to Oklahoma City and they get Shangun and Shangun at the time like for I thought Shangun was like a star prospect. I was yeah. like befuddled when he was dropping in the draft. Like I was like really 16 mm-hmm. and yeah. he, so he he's he's at, he's there at 16. The Rockets scoop him up. And really the the Thunder were betting what we can do with these two assets is gonna be better than what we get with Shangun ultimately. And that Shangun mm-hmm. ultimately the war to defensively are gonna hold him back from reaching whatever his true potential is. Right. And the next season, first of all, Shangun has a monster first year, right? And I'm sure I don't I don't I don't know I, I I'm less active on Twitter now, so I'm sure Rockets fans and Thunder fans were talking about that throughout the year. Sure. Oh yeah. In 2022, the Thunder trade Usman Jing, and I was actually doing a live draft special at this time, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, it'd be funny if, if they traded for Usman Jing and they used the assets they acquired from the Shangun trade. <laughs> like, that'd be funny. Yeah. I don't think that's what's happening, but it'd be funny yeah. if that's what happened. And that's what happened. Yeah. They traded exactly what happened. the protected yeah. Washington pick and the, protect, the protected Detroit pick, and they doubled down. They added an additional first-round pick uh, mm-hmm. for Usman Jing. So these two players, in my opinion, have to be tied at the hip for the rest of their careers because yeah. the Thunder effectively chose one guy over the other and they bet yeah. they doubled down on it. And like, I'm yep. sure I mean, like, you know, maybe more and more people are going to get or get into the know on this. Like, I think more people need to be in the know on this, like because those trades happened a year apart from each other. I think people don't make the connection, but they're very yeah. much connected. Like, yeah. Whoever ends up being the better player is going to be like who's is gonna get bragging rights fan fan base fan base wise. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that is a really interesting way to think about it. Cause I had definitely been tracking it. I hadn't tracked it to the point where it's like, (laughs) is (laughs) Jang gonna be better than Shangun? He kinda Um, has to be. But here we go. I gotta get something to get my blood boiling, you know, (laughs) here in August. So, like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do this. I like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely gonna be watching this. I mean, Usman Jang is by the way, uh, I loved Shangoon. He was one of my favorite players in last year's draft, and I hated yeah. Usman Jang. One of my least well, favorite I, players. I'm in the I feel player. the
2: same way. I loved I I was a huge fan of Shangun. And mm-hmm. like Jang was one of my least favorite prospects for a variety of reasons. Like he's gonna take a he's gonna take some time. Like there's no doubt. And he was easily the most boring interview. Um during the draft cycle i was like "Ah, i don't i don't know about this guy and it's like well trade a bunch of picks i think that thunder fans would almost rather you you flip and have jalen williams be the guy that goes against shangun but it's but it's not they'd use those picks to get jang and uh here we go here's the rivalry
0: yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be really fascinating, and like again, like these re they're gonna be good at the same time theoretically because they're drafting mm-hmm. at the top of the draft at the same time, like, yep. and I I'm very curious to see like like how these two teams compete for compete with each other transactionally again because again the rivalry yep. is no longer on the court. It may get to that point when these players peak and they're in their twenties, mm-hmm. but yep. right now it's pretty much off the court, all exclusively off the court in terms of who drafts the better players. Who, mm-hmm. Who uh, is in position to, dr- to get these guys in free agency or you know through trade? I think the Thunder yep. are better positioned trade-wise. They have a hell of a lot of assets. The Rockets have some assets too, obviously, because of the yep. Harden trade. But yep. it's, it's different. It's a different strategy that these two teams are are taking, as you mentioned at the top of the show.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is fascinating because it does seem like the Rockets are just like BPA every time. Like who, who, it, I don't care. Did they fit with the roster? Like, I don't know. Like, this, this is the best, this is the best guy. Like Tari Eason. Well, I think that he, if you looked at his 2K sliders, he's got, he's got the ones that go further than everybody else. Let's just take him, you know? Um, and the thunder are like, we're only going to take guys that are, that can theoretically shoot pass and dribble. And if you can't do that, you're not, you're not going to be on the team. Um, right. So it's, it's, it's all about decision-making for the Thunder. Like, every single player, when the ball hits their hands, they want them to be able, be able to make a decision with the ball. Uh, and they're very intentionally, like, drafting those kind of players. And with the Rockets, and honestly, like, if if it were me, I'd probably go the Rockets route where it's, like, just take the best guy. Like, whoever you think is the best guy, just take him, and we'll figure it out later. Um, whereas the Thunder are... They're taking the John Hammond it. approach. Yeah, they're building a team that is is going to be very interesting. I, there's not really. I don't know that a team's ever tried to get a, you know, players one through five that can all be decision makers. Um, Chet makes that possible for them, um, but it's going to be very interesting to see what they look like on the court. I love
0: Chet, by the way. I, I thought that was absolutely the Stone Cold number one pick in that draft. Yeah. I, I he was the one guy I might have considered putting in a tier of his own. Like he he is so skilled on both ends of yeah. the floor, super skilled.
2: He's, he's insane. I'm yeah. very happy that he's here, and I'm very intrigued to see what he looks like uh, with Shea in particular, because Shea has never played with a big that anybody cares about, you know, in Oklahoma City. And so I'm interested to see what that looks like. Uh, him, I mean, Shea gets downhill whenever he wants, every single game. And to have a big man that can finish around the rim and then also pop out to three, you know, that's going to be a huge weapon for him.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. They might they might have taken the best play starter in the draft last year in Josh Giddy. And they took like yeah. the best play finisher in the draft this year with Chen mm-hmm. Holmgren. And mm-hmm. it it fits. I mean, those two are going to work together pretty well if they peak out. I mean, I, I really like that. I really like that pairing. And obviously, Shea is really good too. And I think you know more the this, the the approach they're taking it does remind me a little bit of the Bucks, right? With John Hammond, like they're taking mm-hmm. wingy guys, guys as you said, can shoot, dribble, pass, and they're just like these guys are the best players on championship teams. You look around the league. These are usually the guys that are the best, right? Obviously, there are outliers. You got your Jokic's, you got your Embiid's, but for the most part, these guys are wings. And if you're not a wing that can do these three, these these three things, we don't want you. Like we don't think yep. you you have the best, you know, possible chance of peaking as the franchise player. And they're bringing yep. in really capable player development guys. They just brought in Chip England, uh, who's yep. going to really uh, help that development process for these guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's it, it's it's when you look at the Thunder, it is very in line with their culture. They draft and develop. They're not very, you know, they're they they do not really play the free agency game much. You know, they they no. play the trade game, but they don't play the free mm-hmm. agency game.
2: Yeah, they don't, um, mostly because they can't. That players mm-hmm. just don't want to don't want to. If if they have their choice of where to play, it's most likely not going to be here. You know, the the best free agent the Thunder have ever gotten is Nerlens Noel. Um and like no it's a good player. You know, I think that he could be a starter on some teams and a bench player on most teams, like nice player, but if like that's the best ever. And you had teams with like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook like taking guys out to dinner. I mean, they took Pau Gasol out to dinner trying to get this guy to come to Oklahoma City and he opted not to basically because the city wasn't big enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to you have to just be real about it. And maybe someday they have their San Antonio LaMarcus Aldridge moment where everything just aligns and they get a good player in free agency. But until then, you know, they have to be realistic and use their cap space for other means. You know, they, they traded for Derek favors last summer and got a first round draft pick. And that's the kind of stuff they use their cap space for. And I think that will continue to be the case uh, until you know, somebody signals that, like, yeah, we actually are pretty interested in in your team and and joining what you guys are building. Um, which, who knows, may or may not happen. I would lean toward not, but you know, you never know.
0: And I think they've they've given themselves some protection draft wise if they don't end up winning the lottery one of these years, right? Like they're they're putting themselves in positions to get as many scratch off tickets as possible. So one of those yep. either one of those scratch off tickets is going to pay off, or they can package a bunch of them to trade up into the draft. Right, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure they they were aggressive to get the number one overall pick this year as well as last year. But I think, you know, I think Chet was the best guy on their board, as you could tell. Like when when Paulo became number one, they didn't waver. Chet's still our guy. We're not we're not Mm going to change it here. So I think they got their best guy, and we'll be interesting to see how where these teams line up this season going into the lottery.
2: Yeah, without a doubt, I think that both teams have. Similar desires this year, where they want to see development, they want to see these guys get better, but at the end of the day, they want to be, you know, in position to get a, another top three pick, and that's yeah, I think that's where both teams want to be. Which again, like you just can't separate the Thunder from the Rockets.
0: I I I were very I'm very hopeful that the national media ends up like grappling onto the story at one at some yeah. point because this is. There's so much to sink your teeth into, like two decades, like a rivalry. Yeah. Like it is yeah. it's a lot. Um, so yeah. thanks thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. Do you have anything to plug? What are you working on right now?
2: Oh, you can if you want to hear more thunder stuff, if you if you're a Rockets fan and you wanna hear if you wanna drink the the Thunder Tears, you can listen to Down to Dunk last week. It's uh Summer of Sam Volume Two is what the show is called. Uh this is where we talk about the hardened trade and uh, how great Daryl did so you may want to go listen to that and then check out the athletic NBA show as well I'm a I'm I produce and host shows there uh, we're still producing five shows a week right now uh, even in the dead of the off season and thank you to Kevin Durant for giving us something to talk about today uh, you should see a uh, kD uh, centric podcast over the next couple of days so uh, yeah go check that out
0: yeah for sure uh and it dawned on me like as i was doing the research for this podcast that i was actually on the down to dunk podcast and i was like oh yeah i I, I remember these guys these guys were really fun yeah these guys it's a really fun podcast
2: yeah thanks man appreciate that
0: yeah yeah for sure uh absolutely make sure to go follow him on social media go read all his work at the athletic and uh, go check out his podcast thanks andrew
2: thank you